BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You're the mom, the maid, the keeper of the cookies. You do it all and you look good doing it. It's parenthood on a mother level. Here's your host, Denise Hanitka. Hey, everybody. Welcome to On a Mother Level. I'm Denise Hanitka, and this is our last podcast of the decade of 2019. Episode 27. I would say this podcast has been the biggest gift to me this year. And yes, I realized that I also had a child this year, but they all are kind of connected. And I want to talk about that today with Sarah Kershaw. Sarah is here in the podcast studio. Thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. It's great to be here. You are one of the people who, when I was making my list of guests, I knew that I wanted to have you on. (laughs) I find you incredibly intriguing as a parent um, because, first of all, I think because you're very open about it on Facebook. You share a lot of wins and fails like we do do. every week. Yes. Tell us about your family, first and foremost. Sure. Um, I'm married to my husband, Travis. He used to work here with you at WQAD for about a decade. Um, And we have three daughters, Evelie, who is nine, almost ten, and Izzy, who is seven, and Harper, who is three. So we have three daughters. That is awesome. I remember when Travis was setting up for Izzy's first birthday party. That was a long time ago now. Yeah, yeah. It's kind <laughs> of hard. It really has flown by. Yeah. I'm sure you know this, but um, Travis was the very first person here at work who even knew that I was pregnant with Abe. I, I kind of remember that. Him, yes. I had to tell him first because he was going to be going with me to a little, um, like a press interview with Donnie Wahlberg, yes, i.e. Okay, New Kids on the Block. That. And so I had brainstormed that I was going to get Donnie Wahlberg to do a little photo with me and announce that I was having a new kid on the block. Yes. Winky, winky. And um, so, <laughs> so I knew Travis was going with me, and so I cornered him in an edit bay the day before, and I was like, hey, like something's going to happen tomorrow, <laughs> and I need you to like be in on the loop on this. And so I was like, hey, like so I'm, I'm pregnant? And we're going to talk to Donnie tomorrow. And he was like, thank you for telling me that. Because that would have been so weird in the moment. I remember this now that you say that. Because I remember him coming home from work and he was like, I know a secret. (laughs) And you cannot tell anyone. And I was like, well, who am I going to call? Yeah, I remember that. He was so honored to be the first to know. Well, he did an excellent job. And he captured that Donnie Wahlberg photo. And yes, it was. um, it's one of the funnest things that I've gotten to do (laughs) in my news career. So anywho, so... That's how I know Travis. Now, I have just known you just in and out over the years because, you know, just Channel 8 social events and and whatnot. And um, the other thing that I like about Sarah is... When you came to Abram's birthday party, or no, sorry, baby shower. Yes. The baby shower for Abram, you, um, among the gifts that you gave me were um, 
gosh, what do you call it? Like that little like gas drops, the gas like the, drops. the Michaelolin yes. or whatever yeah. the stupid medicine is. And <laughs> honestly, at the time, I had no idea what this was <laughs> or what I would use it for. And I stuck it on the shelf. And then so I think it was maybe like three, four weeks old, you know, yeah, when their gas the really time. like kicks mm-hmm. in. I was like, I think he has gas. I don't know what's happening. And then I went, I have something for this. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly that like mylocolin or whatever, I was like, Sarah. <laughs> and so every gift I've given since has included the gas drops. And I'm like, every you time, won't know you won't when know you until need this. you know. And it's always like the middle of the night where yes. like you can't go and get it. And nope. you're like, oh, I have them already. <laughs> I yes. have them. Yes. So well, I'm, I glad. Think of I'm Sarah. glad they were there in yes. the moment of need. <laughs> yes. When my children are gassy, I think of you, Sarah Kershaw. <laughs> so what a treat that those were drops were in that moment. Okay, so we are um we're coming up on the end of the year, but also the decade. So I wanted to expand our like wins and fails. We're going to talk about them for this week, even though we're just coming off of Christmas week. So there should be a lot of wins there. And then I kind of want to maybe look back on the year or maybe on the decade or whatever kind of speaks to you. Does that sound sure, good? Yeah. Okay. So I had a really hard time thinking of a Christmas win because I feel like just in general, it was just... It was just a win. You know right. what I mean? We just had a really, really great day. Right. Abram was fully on board. He knew all about what Santa was going to do. And, you know, we set out the cookies the night before. And 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 just, he was just, he was fully on board for the day. And we just had a really nice, peaceful day as a family. And I just, like, win. Yeah. You know? Win. This year, <laughs> this Christmas was definitely a win for me this year. Different than years past because I feel like like this was my 10th Christmas as a parent. Wow. And so it was like I kind of had everything down this year for the first time. Yeah. Where like I really had everything prepared to where I had all everything for the pancakes completely ready on the counter except the wet ingredients. You know, I had like I had as much as I could beforehand done. So I, do, I wasn't like doing dishes for an hour and a half on Christmas. Um, on Christmas Eve, we always go to my family okay. and it's always this huge cluster because we're there in the morning. So you have to pack all the presents for, for gifts on Christmas Eve, but then you also have lunch. So I'm bringing food to, to help my mom with lunch. Yeah. So I have to remember all the ingredients for those things. And then we go to the Christmas Eve program at my church that night. So you have to have a complete change of clothes for everyone. You have to put on all those ridiculous clothes that SNL just had that parody about. (laughs) That was genius. It was so perfect. (laughs) Every year, it's like the running Christmas joke. What are we going to forget? Like if it's Travis's belt for his suit or which by the, the way tights. you're not responsible for right bro, I want to be very clear about but that but it's true but it's like <laughs> what are we as a team yes. going to forget to put in this bag you know is it going to be the vinegar for a salad dressing what is it going to be one year we even forgot Eva's tights it was like one of the coldest Christmas oh, no. and so it was like do we go all the way home for tights and I think I ended up like wrapping her in a blanket and I'm being like we're just carrying her inside of this blanket mm-hmm. and she'll go bare-legged at church it'll be scandalous it'll be fine <laughs> but it's like every year what are we going to forget and now that we have three so it's like you have to have three sets of tights three sets of shoes that they haven't worn in forever you know but like this was the year where we had we had it all we had all the ingredients back and like i finally felt like i was kind of on top of things for that so that was really cool that's amazing yeah everyone had shoes everyone had shoes for christmas fantastic (laughs) you know another win i guess um that i feel like other people will share with me and, and it's also a fail because it's, it's coming to an end. 
The holidays is shrimp cocktail season. Yes. And that means I have to wait a whole nother year for shrimp cocktail mm-hmm. to come around. So Why doesn't sad. anyone serve a shrimp cocktail just Always. like in the summer? Just, yeah, just like a good July treat by the pool. I know. They're I cold. love a shrimp cocktail. They're refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. I've eaten them by the dozens, mm-hmm. by the quadrillions yeah. this year. So I'm also sad to say goodbye to um, shrimp cocktail holiday I think you season. still have a solid two weeks left. Do you think so? Yeah, like New Year's. New Year's is shrimp cocktail time, I feel like. Okay. I might have up. to bring my own, but yeah, I mean, I mean it can they're be there. They're there for you at Aldi. <laughs> they're right there. They're already made. It's there for you. So my actual fail, and this one amazes me, honestly, because it set off a firestorm on social media. <laughs> so... We bought Abram, and I talked about this on the last podcast. It was this big car ramp thing called the Freeway Frenzy. Yes, you know? I remember seeing this. Big ramp, great price at Costco. Everyone knows how I feel about the pricing at Costco. And Abram like asked for it. He knew that he wanted it. And I really thought it would be cool to give it to him in the box. Because number oh, one, he loves yeah. helping Turner set stuff up. You know, mm-hmm. like, if anything requires tools, he's like, great, I also have tools. Right. And he goes and gets his little Half plastic screwdriver. He loves that. So I'm like, that'll be cute. Plus, he knows what the box looks like because we saw it at Costco. So mm-hmm. I'm like, he'll really recognize it in the box, yes. you know? And so I just thought this was all a great idea. So by the time we made him open that present last because we knew it was the win-all, mm-hmm. well, by the time he opened that, like... He had opened so much other stuff already. So, like, the reaction was uh-huh. 100% where I wanted it to be. But I'm like, you know what? It's fine. He's three. So, a couple days pass, and we decide we're going to start set- setting this thing up. So, he gets his screwdriver. He's super jacked up mm-hmm. about it. We're, we're working on it. And we're missing a part. Mm. It's one of the, the curves in the, the roadway. So, it was, like, piece, like, 401k7b. <laughs> and it was just not in the thing. And so I end up in this frustrating, angry battle with KidCraft customer service where I'm not entering my product number correctly and I don't have my proof of purchase, which Uh, by the way, it's Christmas. Like who has a proof of purchase? It was this whole thing. I like really took some anger out of this customer (laughs) service representative, which I don't really think is the coolest thing to do, but I did it anyway. Um, So I finally contacted Costco, because usually they tell you not to contact Uh the Costco. Anyway, contacted them. They're getting me a brand new 401k7b part from Ohio. They're shipping it to me. Three to four weeks. All's well that ends well. Well, I posted about this on Facebook, thinking there there would just be a lot of, like, solidarity, sister. Uh Been there with you. Totally get it. No. It was like, that's why you set it up in advance, lady. And I'm like, wait, set it up in advance? Are, do you guys have, like, separate mansion rooms that yeah. are dedicated to toy assembly and design mm-hmm. waiting area? Yeah, I never really Where am understood I supposed to put the, that. Like, <laughs> like, at what time are you doing this? Right. Like, they're going to be up. My kids woke us up this year, no joke, at 2.30. <gasps> oh, my God. But to be Nightmare. fair, to be fair, this we're, we're lazy, and they have a clock in their room, and the power went out, like, a month ago, and we never fixed it. <laughs> and so Eva woke up, and she looked at the clock, and the clock said it was, like, 7.20. And so she woke her sisters up, and they came in our room, and I was I looked at the clock. I was like, Evelyn, it is 2.30. The, the crickets are chirping outside. Like, no, we are not. No, no, you have to go to bed for at least three more hours. Yeah, and yeah. did they? So they did, but Harper was pretty, it was, it was hard to get Harper back to sleep. Oh, for Travis sure. Travis did it, to be fair. I did not get her back to sleep. But yeah, so when are you doing this? I don't know. When are you doing this? I have this? no idea. So there were a lot of people who were like, 
you obviously weren't prepared. You mm. you should have expected something like this to take How place. Dare you say so I know. And then so I started commenting back like, hey, like that's just like the choice that I made to not set it <laughs> up. Like Abram really likes, you know, um, assembling this stuff himself. Yeah. And so then other people would chime in and be like, you obviously didn't read her earlier comment where she said that <laughs> Abram wanted to set it up. And so they're like, they're now there's infighting. Now they're fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've got your loyal followers that are defending you. Honestly, I just didn't. It's amazing to me what is controversial. This is a controversial topic. So basically, I was unprepared as a parent, um, and I ruined Christmas for my own self. We had a really similar (laughs) thing with presents at my mom's house. Um, The two youngest got, have you ever heard of that Osmo system it's like it's this like tangible play thing where you can put an ipad or a kindle fire on the stand and it has a mirror for the camera and you're like using tangible objects to play this game so there's like tangram things where you're like putting shapes together and there's like a number thing where it puts up like the number 12 and you have all these little number things and you like push a six and six under the camera and then it says like you got it right oh my god and so it's like really fun like you're just interacting there's um for the little guys there's like dress up things where you have a guy and you can put outfits on it and then it like pops up on the the screen the guy you made so we saw it we're like this would be a huge hit and so my mom got them for them for for Christmas. Well, they live out in the middle of nowhere, and so their Wi-Fi is really kind of kind of sketchy. Yeah. So being prepared, I did pack their Kindles because I knew that they were getting it. So I'm like, well, this will be great. We True. brought them and downloading the app to use them took just an ungodly amount of time. Oh, so now they're all jacked no. up to try it out. Right. And they're both like competing on the Wi-Fi for <laughs> whose app is going to download first. And so there was a little bit of a like. I, and then, like, two days later, I saw something about, like, if you get your kids a gaming system or whatever, like, get it out of the, the package and download the updates and oh, all this stuff. And it's like, loud. who has time to do that? But then I was watching. I was like, mm, probably should have downloaded yeah. these apps. No, at home. I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. So that was kind of, it was like a good 90-minute wait to get all these Oof. apps to put on. And so then, by then, like, the three-year-olds over it, they're playing with something else. But yeah. <laughs> eventually, she, she did play with it. <laughs> and it was cool. But yeah, it was a similar, like, we should have done this beforehand. Right, yeah. right. Oh, my gosh, that's funny. Do you have a specific screw-up this year? Um, For the year I get, no, in I general? Guess for the, okay, did we do your week? I, I, th- I think so. Okay. Yeah, we talked about the tights. I had the tights. <laughs> I had the belts. <laughs> okay. I would okay. say biggest fail for the year and probably honestly for since Harper was born is getting that girl to go to sleep. Really? We have tried everything. Like I have humbled myself to be like anything that I thought was ridiculous before we have tried it. The other two were kind of hard to get to go to bed at night when they were toddlers, but like we found a system and it worked. Yeah. This girl, we have tried everything. We, she, she hasn't slept since she was born. She just fights it so much at night. We transitioned her into the toddler bed, thinking like maybe that it'll be new and exciting. Um, that didn't work. Then she was just then she could escape. Yeah. Um, when Eva was little, we would baby gate her into her room, and she would cry at her gate for a few minutes. But then she'd be like, "All right, I give up and go to bed." We tried that. That didn't work. There was a period of time where she, when she was probably like two, maybe one and a half, two, where the only way we could get her to go to bed was if we were sitting in the hallway outside her bed and she could see us from her bed yeah and she would lay awake and just stare at us for i'm I'm gonna say three hours some nights like someone would have to sit there 
And if you made a lot of noise, she would start crying. And then, like, the whole process would start over. And, like, Travis, God bless his soul, spent probably six months sitting on a pillow, playing a game on his phone, just outside. We were prisoners in our house. And so then when she got a little older and she could talk, um, her big hang-up was Eva and Izzy share a room. And she was all by herself. And so it was always this cry that she has to go to sleep by herself and her sisters are together and she's so sad she wants to be in there. <laughs> so then our huge, our huge like light bulb moment, this summer they were visiting their grandparents and I was like, I think we should take everything out of their rooms and put their beds and their clothes in one room and everything else in the other room. And the other one can just be this like amazing toy area. They, you know, the older two had desks and, and we can put all, a TV in there and it'll just be this amazing room. And then we'll have this other room that's just this quiet place where they have their three beds. Mm -hmm. And we were like, it'll be perfect. They'll all be together. They came home, they were so excited about it. Um, but by night two, Harper was saying, yeah, but I want them in my bed. Like, it wasn't enough that they were in the same room. <laughs> and we realized, like, there was never never going to be a thing. Yeah. Like, pretty soon someone's going to have to be sleeping on top of her before yeah. she's happy. And, I mean, she's almost four now. She's a few months shy of four years old. And there's still, every night, she wants Eva to sit on her bed until she falls asleep. And it's just, every night ends with us going in there and yelling and being like, you have to fall asleep. And so it's like, we end every night feeling like, oh, we just, you yeah. know, we end the night screaming at them again. Um, and so now it's like, do we separate them again? Do we put them in different rooms? It's just such a struggle. Yeah. And then sometimes, I mean, they they go to bed at 8, and sometimes it's 10, 15, and we're still going in there and yelling and, and telling them to go to bed. And there's just nothing. We've tried melatonin. We've mm -hmm. tried, we've got, you know, uh, different stuffed animals. We obviously read books every night. We've tried different routines. There's just nothing that yeah. we can do to get this kid to go to sleep. Unbelievable. And so that is definitely our biggest fail is just trying to get her to just. And it's a developing story that continues yeah, into 2020. Yeah, it's just every time we think like we've solved it. <laughs> and then like a week later, it's like, no, just kidding. No, so to be to clear, when you posted the pictures on Facebook of the new room yeah, situation. It was really I exciting. showed it to Jim and Jim and I were like, this is the coolest thing we've yeah, ever seen. Yeah, we were like, like really jacked up about well, it. Because it's the kind of thing that you would have wanted as a kid. Yeah, it's like a perfect room. They have like a wall that's all their library. They have bean bags. They have everything a kid could want. And no, no, it didn't. It didn't work as well as we had hoped. <laughs> now, I don't know if this is going to be of any help, but I will tell you that coming up here in the next two weeks, I have a sleep expert mm. coming on the pod. Well, if they need like a field trip, you know, like <laughs> Honestly, just a case study. A if case you can study. solve this child, you could solve any child in the world. They, they could make commercials and be like, this child never slept for the first, first four years of her life. Now, to be clear, all I have is a three-year-old and a 10 month old so like those sleep issues are different than right. you know what I mean like but honestly I think sleep problems would be the thing that would kill me you yeah. know what I mean like like because that would I kill don't me. function well on no yeah. sleep yeah at least now she's not really waking up in the like once she's asleep mm -hmm. she's okay sometimes she'll go get into a string while she'll wake up at like 2 30 in the morning yeah. and get in our bed but we're I'm such a hard sleeper I don't even notice she's there mm -hmm. so like that doesn't bother me that much but uh other times she used to wake up more and like it really affected my mm -hmm. sleep 
luckily it's just a matter of it's affecting our like quiet time where we don't yeah. have kids essentially where it's like we're pausing whatever show we're watching every seven minutes to go in there and scream threats at them and then come back and watch the show yeah yeah so it's like it could be worse it yeah. could definitely be worse one but. of the worst parts of having a newborn, I remember, is, and this was in particular with Abram because of the time of year that it was, is that it would get dark at a certain time, and I would sit there on the couch alone before my husband got home from work while I was on maternity leave, and I would go, it's about to happen. Because you don't know what kind of night you're mm-hmm. going to have. You don't know when that night will begin. Yeah. Like, so I feel like that's your night every night, is yeah. like, it's about to happen. Right. We've got to settle in for this again. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, and when she was a newborn, she tricked us because for the first couple months, she was the greatest because we had two other little kids. And so she would just, like, we'd put her on a play mat and she'd just fall asleep sometimes Mm -hmm. and be like, she's the greatest baby (laughs) in the world. (laughs) And so for a while, she really was a a fantastic. But then as soon as she was big enough to have a personality, man. Unbelievable, uh -uh. Harper. Yeah. She's wow. a she's a fiery little pistol. Well, it sounds like you've tried everything, but if anyone wants to write in mm-hmm. with some suggestions, yeah. like we'll take them. I will take anything short of chaining her to the wall. I, oh, you know, maybe God. by next year I'll be there. I don't know. <laughs> so that's definitely my biggest fail, I think, is we have not found the perfect solution, the solution. for that yet. Yeah. So, I mean, I like just looking at my year as a whole, and um, I've talked about this a lot, but like... The best thing to happen to me this year and the worst thing to happen to me this year were all like tied into one Mm -hmm. because, you know, I start off this year on this incredible high of having um, my second child Yeah, and he was perfect and wonderful and he still is. But along with that came like truly the most horrible time of my year. Balancing it all. It was really, really a tough transition for me and I've talked a ton about it. Um, So just when I think back on it, I just think about like... Like, 2019, I feel like, beat me up and built me up over and over and over again. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally remember... Those that first year with two kids, it, it's it's a struggle. It's a huge transition to go from having one kid that all of your attention is wrapped yeah. up in to suddenly having to manage to split your time. You always feel like you're shorting one or the other. Yeah, it's it's a struggle for sure. And yeah. I definitely because of that, I don't think I bonded well with Everett. Mm-hmm. I still would argue that I'm not a hundred percent bonded with him, and I don't even know why or what that means, other than I just sometimes don't feel it. Yeah, because you can't, you know, just stare at this little person all day because you have another little person who needs juice or crackers or whatever, and Mm -hmm. you're just constantly being pulled away, for sure. Yeah. Was was two, one to two, or two to three your harder transition? Definitely one to two. Really? Yeah. I'm so interested in that. I think a lot of it had to do with the timing of the ages. Mm-hmm. Um, Eva and Izzy are two and a half years apart. Okay. And, That's about Abram and Everett. Um, Izzy and Harper are three and a half years apart. Okay. And just the one year difference, I don't know which one I prefer because definitely at the time, two and a half years apart was harder because... Um, we tried really hard to train Eva up to potty train Eva before the baby came, mm-hmm. and she was just not into it. And then, I kid you not, the first day that Travis had to go back to work, she decided that she wanted to start wearing underwear. And I was like, mm, I don't know <laughs> if we can do this. But I didn't want to be like, no, you shall wear a diaper. So right. I was like, no, I can do this. I can do this. And I remember this just so clearly. I was feeding Izzy, and I had just got her to latch. And Eva came running down the hall and she had already started taking off her clothes and she was like, I need to go potty. And so I was like, ah, so I like 
got up and I like managed to keep Izzy like latched on and I'm like walking her to the bathroom and I'm like trying to get her underwear down so she can go to the bathroom and she doesn't make it. And so we have like a pee puddle trail down the hallway and we had just gotten new floors. We had like laminate flooring, which was just a terrible decision, but because it can't get wet. And so it's like, what are you going to do with, with two kids like why did you do this anyway that's a whole nother thing so she had peed on this floor so it was like oh no the clock's ticking i gotta get this pee off the floor baby is still just latched right we're we just got the hang of this then i finally like i get paper towels i clean it with my foot right and i'm like okay we did this we did this and then she goes into the kitchen and i can only hear her in the kitchen i'm sitting in the living room and she was like i'm going to get something out of the fridge and i was like no 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 you need to wait and right as she said that like i knew it was too late Kaboom. someone had just brought us a meal and put it in the fridge and they brought uh, wait for it oh an entire vat of chili over and they were like oh this will be great like you can just get it out and the whole thing of chili came out of the fridge spilled all over the kitchen floor so now I have like pea puddles and chili and like this baby that's crying (laughs) because it's trying and I was like what and it was like all in a matter of seven minutes and it was like first hour first day by myself and so it was a lot of that I feel like going from one to two like I remember sitting me like what have I done to myself like why did I do this I can't do this and then by the time Harper came, um, Eva was in kindergarten, and so it was actually just really wonderful because Izzy was old enough to where she totally got it. Like yeah. she knew she wanted to help with baby. Like every time I had to sit down and feed the baby, she was super excited to just sit with her, and she would like watch her cartoons. And it was just a lot more peaceful okay. transition. But now Eva and Izzy, now that they're older, those two are inseparable. They're best friends. They spend all day together. They they absolutely love each other. And I, I feel bad for Harper because I feel like she, because she's so much younger than them, like yeah. she doesn't have the same bond. So I don't think I would I would change anything. I, I You know, I, I'm glad I had Izzy when I did. But I definitely, I don't know which one's better in the end, yeah. you know. It's hard for a little while, but then it, it gets better later. So I don't know. So it was definitely an easier transition. And I don't know if it's just because I was more prepared the second time or if it's because Izzy was a little bit older and Eva was mm-hmm. in school. And so it was just a lot easier transition to three. But one to yeah. two was definitely the biggest jump. Yeah. For sure. One to two was super hard for me. And I want to say, um, first and foremost, because I was super smug mm. after one. You know yeah, what I mean? Like I felt like, like I locked yeah, it down. Mm-hmm. And I also felt like like there was that there was nothing for me to stress about because mm-hmm. I knew what was going to happen. Yeah. And I and I don't think I was naive enough to think that I was going to have two of the same child, but I do think that I was naive enough to think I We don't two realize of the... all the different ways they can be different. Right. You, you know, have you think no like, idea. oh yeah, they'll be different in some ways, but I mean, mm-hmm. and they have me as a mom, like they're going to be similar in ways, you know, you don't exactly. realize how different kids are going to be. My kids could not be more different yeah. than one another. Yeah. And it's just crazy. Like they all wore the same jeans. They all ate off the same plates, but they are all just so completely yes, different. Yes, yes. Yeah. And when you look at your own siblings, you're like, of course, why wouldn't my family be any different? But until you see it, it's just <laughs> so hard to think that like that they that it could be so different mm-hmm. to have such wildly different babies. When you think like all they do is sleep and eat and you know, yeah. like how different could it be? But they just from day one they have their own their own personality and their own Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you have this baby builds me up. 
this baby um, doesn't go the way that I planned. Totally tears me down. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I like figure out, oh crap, I have postpartum. Like Mm -hmm. that in a way was building myself back up Mm because it was like, it's okay. You have a thing. Like Mm -hmm. other people have a thing. Mm -hmm. Like you can go on after having a thing. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, just spending the year kind of dealing with that, I feel like kind of built, brings you back down again. Mm -hmm. And then, um, starting this podcast mm-hmm. has been a huge buildup for mm-hmm. me, you know, and it's, um, it's weird to say this cause I, I don't really know any other way to, to phrase it, but like in the strangest of ways, Everett like gave me a voice, mm-hmm. like he gave me something to talk about. Yeah. And I know that sounds funny. Like, of course I have a, like a story to tell without that, but like my experience with him and like just this whole year of, of facing this postpartum and, Mm -hmm. and meeting others who have, um, it's like he, he just, he gave me this voice. Yeah. It gave you a reason to need a community, Yeah, you know, a reason to reach out and try to share a story and help someone, you know, I think that's a big key of, for making sense of it and totally, and, realizing that there's a purpose to it, you know, that even though you, you are struggling with this, it's also an opportunity to connect with people and to, to help other people and to like, even just sharing your experience makes people feel less alone and it helps other people through it, you know? And so he's giving you a reason to reach out, you know, before it's like, what am I going to reach out and be like, I have it all figured out and my kid's the best. (laughs) And uh, you know, come to me with any questions you have, because I, I am feeling right. it. Yeah. I think when you share your vulnerabilities, it, it definitely helps people connect with you more. Yeah. No one really wants to connect with the best version of you. No. I, I think it's oh, only I love when that you phrase. Yes. Yeah, I think it's only when you you are willing to share your weaknesses that people really find the ways yeah. that you you yeah, have things in common for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um so part of this like postpartum journey, and I'm gonna talk about this because I didn't hear about it until going through it myself. So I decided through the help of my doctor that I am going to wean myself off of Zoloft, which Mm -hmm. is what I've been taking since I'm talking to my doctor all those months ago. Um, And I've been doing it like the way that she suggested. And so I don't want anyone to write me and say like, talk (laughs) to your doctor. Okay. So this is all doctor allowed and permitted, but through like the weaning off of it, I didn't realize that, like, the withdrawal symptoms are real. Yeah. Okay? So, basically, I feel like I'm walking around, like, in a world that's not quite steady. Mm -hmm. I feel very dizzy all the time. Um, I feel like I'm in a constant state of that head rush where you stand up too fast and then you kind of go like whoa you know and so it's been it's been a little over a week since I had my last dose and again like my doctor told me that could be my last dose and we weaned down and all of that junk but in my like googling like these withdrawal symptoms Mm -hmm. which makes me sound like I'm on heroin (laughs) um can last like a month oh wow that's a long time it's a long time to feel like you're you're dizzy yeah for sure it's a very strange thing so I don't know um, how I don't know how I would feel about going on the medicine, knowing that like it sucks so much to go off of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it obviously had its place, and like I'm glad that I was on it for a time. But like, 
This withdrawal really blows. Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> it's it. It's really awful, and it makes me hungry. Like, it makes oh. me want to eat, because, like, anytime you're dizzy, you're like, if I have, like, a bad Yeah, like, right I, now, I'm like, like, my, my blood sugar yes, must be low. Yeah. Exactly. So that's how I feel right now, but I'm I'm proud that I'm going to go into 2020, like, freshly unmedicated. Yeah. And, and by the way, like, there's nothing wrong with being medicated. I certainly benefited from it, but, like, I'm also ready to, like, be done. Yeah. Which I think is a sign that I should be done. Yeah. You know? So anywho, just to prepare you, if you eventually want to get off Zoloft or Sertraline or whatever, it's like, it's definitely more of a, like a, a brain, a brain challenge than I thought it would be. So sounds like it. Anywho, but there we go. We're off into 2020 and we are going to be unmedicated. We are going to eat shrimp cocktail (laughs) and uh, that's pretty much it. All right. So Sarah, I wanted to talk to you about this article that I found and I think your perspective is important here because you are a high school teacher and um, I'm going to start with the headline. Here we go. This is out of California. So for 2020, California public schools can no longer suspend students for disobeying teachers, according to a new law. Okay, so starting with next school year, it will be illegal for public schools in the state to suspend students in fifth through excuse me, first through fifth grade for willfully defying teachers or administrators. Okay, now I saw this posted on Facebook and right off the bat as a parent you're furious because you're going, come on, how do we stop disciplining kids? What are we doing? And it automatically makes you think like, oh, what's this going to be like in my kid's school? And, you know, will my kid have the discipline that they need? And blah, 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 blah. So I wanted to talk to you about it because you're coming from the other side of things where you're dealing with a lot of different kids with a lot of different backgrounds and a lot of challenges about how to reach each single one of them. So I don't know. What's your thoughts? It's tricky for me because I do teach in a school where, thankfully, I'm so fortunate, we really don't have a lot of the discipline problems that I know bigger schools do. I teach at Orion, which is a really rural school. But we do have some disciplinary problems, like every school does. And one of the bigger challenges that we do have is how, how can we punish kids in a way that sends a clear message, but also complies with Illinois laws and... Uh, doesn't hurt them academically. There's a lot of laws um, in Illinois, and I don't know the specifics about them, but generally speaking, uh, behavior cannot negatively affect academic performance. So in other words, if if students are suspended, uh, the school has to give them an opportunity to make up for their missing work or for whatever they missed that day. Sure. It was certainly created with good intentions, you know, that we don't want kids to, you know, to be setting up kids for failure. But on the other hand, what sometimes it can turn into is just a free day off school. Um, You know, if teachers are required to give these students their homework, you know, essentially it's like, okay, well, here's all your work in a nice little packet. Mm -hmm. You know, you have all day to do it. And then the day is yours, you know, seize the day. So it is a struggle. You know, you always see people criticize schools for things like bullying and, and, you know, why isn't the school doing something? Why aren't they stepping in? And the reality is, you know, there's not a lot we can do legally. You know, so much Mm -hmm. of it needs to happen at home. 
home. And the, you know, more and more as time goes by, schools are, are not allowed to really punish students in a way that is meaningful um, in a lot of ways. And again, I don't really know what the answer is. You know, right. I'm not saying that I want students that are a behavior problem to fail my class. No, certainly. Because that, that doesn't benefit right, them in the long run right. anyway. But I, we also need to find a way for a punishment to be effective. Um, and I think right now we're on this, like, you know, this swinging pendulum where perhaps we're swinging too far um, away from punishment to the point where there's really no consequences mm -hmm. for your actions. Um, and maybe that's kind of what's going on with this new law is this idea that, uh, you know, if I can't imagine a first or second greater, you know, needing to be suspended for, what, what is it, willful... Yeah, uh, uh, dis disobey or yeah, something like that. You know, willful, I, Willfully defying. Yeah, I don't teach... I don't for teach, a second grader. <laughs> yeah, I don't teach elementary school, but I can't imagine, like, you know, coming from the perspective maybe of a parent who, that's not my kid, but my kid's in that class, like, how much of a distraction mm -hmm. is that kid? How much of my teacher's energy is being spent on this one child... And as opposed to others, you know, sometimes you do need to take a kid out of a class because they're just ruining things for everyone, yeah. you know, but you do need to think about that child and like, how are we still going to educate that kid and give him the tools he needs or she needs um, while not taking away from the other kids? It's really a kind of a tricky situation to find yourself in. Well, for me, I knew that whatever happened in school I was going to get it worse at home. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And so you didn't misbehave in school, not because you didn't want your teacher to be upset with you, but because you knew they were, your parents were going to find out if you misbehaved. You right. know? So without the element of knowing that your parents are going to be mad, what is it that exactly. what does it matter? There's, there's not a lot there. And what I'm seeing even more, one trend that I'm seeing that um, really kind of concerns me is how much parents... You know, you kind of see people joking about it on social media, how like, you know, uh, when I was a kid, you know, if I, the teacher yelled at me like my parent, I would, you know, get my butt beat or something mm -hmm. like that when I got home. And, and now it's kind of switched to this opportunity that parents see to kind of take their kid's side. And here's the thing. I totally get it. And, and sometimes they do it, n not even discipline related, right? Um, I have kids that are in my study hall that uh, are always struggling with math. They have this, this, these math problems and they get stressed out and they, they'll turn to me and they'll say like, Mrs. Kershaw, do you even use this? Like, do you even use trigonometry in your life? Right? And I think uh, kids say that to their parents a lot too, you know, of like, course, when am I yeah. ever going to use this? And I don't think parents realize how important their response to that question really is because the temptation is there. The temptation is to be like, yeah, you know what? I hated tri trigonometry too. This is something that we can bond over. We can hate trigonometry together and let's just, you know, talk about how that class is dumb and it's frustrating and, and that's, you know, this connection that we're going to have. I yeah. totally get it. As a mom, you're always kind of looking for a common enemy. That's not you every once in a while, right? But it's so important to not do that because okay. the minute that you say, you know what, you you probably aren't going to ever use this, but do it anyway, that that is like a light switch for the student because then suddenly they have an, the excuse that they need to stop trying. Okay. You know, maybe you're not going to ever need this to, to be able to calculate this trigonometry problem, but you are going to need the problem-solving skills 
that you're using to figure it out. Sure. You know, you are going to need grit to approach a problem that you don't know how to do and like think of another solution and approach it again and approach it again. Like you're getting all these other benefits from doing these things that are hard. And, and when you sit, say to your kid, like, uh, yeah, you know, I don't like reading either. Just here's the, here's the cliff notes. Just read that, you know, you're giving them the out. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly now, if I don't like it, if it's not my thing, I'll just not do it because, you know, and you, and it's so, it's so important to just always back the teacher as the parent. Even if you don't agree with the teacher, you should never say that to the kid's face. Yeah. You know, if you have a question about why a teacher is doing the things that they do, uh, you know, you your kid should never be aware of that because they're, you know, a teacher is just an extension of you. You know, we're just the parent during the day. And, you know, that's the equivalent basically of like being the good cop, bad cop, you know? And so it's like you're taking you're taking authority away. The minute that you say like, yeah, their homework's not that important or yeah, that assignment's really stupid. I don't know why they asked you to do that. Yeah. It's really basically saying like, well, your dad's dumb. I don't know why he said you couldn't do that. You do whatever you want, you know? And I don't think parents really think about it as much as, as they should, Yeah, you know, because you're, you're limiting their growth, you know, by doing that. You're, you're giving them a reason to stop trying on things that aren't their favorite, that don't yeah. come naturally to them. And I think... Being a teacher has really informed my parenting, especially of how I talk to my kids about school and how I talk to them about their teachers. Even when my kids are frustrated with their teachers, you know, I, I, I resist the temptation to be like, yeah, let's team up and complain mm-hmm. about them because it is kind of like turning on another parent in a, yeah. in a way, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think of all the parents who confront the coach about their kid's playing time, you right. know, and, and the kid and the parent bond over the fact like that coach must not like me. I'm clearly the star here yeah. and I'm not getting the playing time. And instead of the parent saying like, but are you practicing as hard as you could? Are you, you know, stepping right. up when you need to step up? Instead, it's, you know what, I'm going to call that coach and tell him that you are a star. Right. And that you do deserve to play. I hate that. Ugh, I should watch it. I don't <laughs> agree with that level of parenting because I don't think it's, I don't think it's good for kids. Right. And I'm not saying that that coach or that teacher uh, could never make a mistake. Of course. You know, maybe they have made a mistake and maybe they do deserve some criticism, but criticize them 20 years later, you know, when your kid's 30 over drinks at some point and be like, you know what? I hated that coach too. But at the time or, you know, or that teacher at the time, you should never show your hand. You mm-hmm. should never give your kid a reason to stop respecting a teacher. Yeah. You know, if your kid knows that like, well, if I get in trouble with this teacher, I'll just be able to go home and be like, oh, she's being ridiculous. And my mom will say, oh, I knew it. You know, yeah, she is yeah. being ridiculous. And then, and then it's like, I've lost that kid, you know, in a, yeah. in, a, in a small way. I've lost that kid's desire to do well into my class. You know, anytime I'm going to push that kid, they're going to push back, you mm-hmm. know, a little bit. And so... Uh, yeah, it really is. I, I, that is probably the, the thing that has informed the way I approach my kids in school the most is yeah. realizing how important it is to build up teachers, even if you have to fake it a little bit, you know, uh, because it's only then that your kid's really going to put forth the effort that they need to in school is yeah. when 
they think that you think their teacher hung the moon. You know, like this is a good teacher and they have a lot to say and you should, you know, if she thinks you need to do this, then this is really important and you should do it. Yeah. You know, that sends such a different message than, I don't know why they're teaching you math this way. This is stupid. You don't have to do it this way. You know, I see that all the time with like Common Core math. Oh gosh, absolutely. You know, you they, people just don't think about how, what message that sends to your kid when you're like, well, why, why would you ever do math that way? You know, that's not how I learned it in school. This is the easier way to do it. You know, now that kid's going to take that message from their parent, you know, to the classroom and they're not going to buy in totally. The whole time in the back of their mind, they'll be thinking, if this gets too hard, dad said it's dumb. So I don't really have to learn it, yeah. you know? And so it's just trickles in a lot of interesting ways. That is interesting. I do feel like, especially as a high school teacher, you have such a window to the world. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like in a lot of ways, high school kids are the first to try the new things and mm -hmm. know the new technologies. Mm -hmm. and, and particularly because you teach English, so you're teaching them... Shakespeare and yes. Romeo and Juliet while their worlds couldn't be more different from what they're reading in these books. Right, right. And that I, that's one of my favorite parts about teaching is finding ways to make a connection between Romeo and Juliet and yeah. their lives. Um, Romeo and Juliet in particular, what, the, what we do, the big culminating project at the end of it is th I ask them a question, you know, people still use Romeo and Juliet as this like cliched phrase for the pinnacle love story. Yes. It should this still be on a pinnacle? Is this really a reflection of the type the type of love that we value as a society yeah. today? Yes or no? And then they have to basically answer that question any way they want. So sometimes they uh, will compare Romeo and Juliet to like TV show love stories or movie love stories and be like, look, the, they could not be more different. And so clearly we should stop reading Romeo and Juliet because it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Or they'll look at Romeo and Juliet and they'll compare it to like any classic Disney movie and they'll realize oh so Cinderella fell in love with the prince in like a hot minute as mm -hmm. well and it is really similar and it's really hard to say our society doesn't value Beauty and the Beast anymore or Cinderella you know yes. so it's kind of fun to find little ways for them to kind of see how it can constantly be pulling back at, even though it's so you know a couple hundred years old you know there's right. little ways that it's still relevant you know it's still yeah. fun that's that's what keeps my job fresh and exciting. So, yeah. Well, I love what you posted the other day. I thought it was so funny. Um, you said something like, uh, you know, you handed out grades and one kid came and said, like, this is the best day of my life. The next kid came in and said, you've ruined my life. And yes. they both got a 96%. It, they did. It, it was so true. And they were like within 12 minutes of each other too. And it was so funny that I, you know, that was a huge win for me. I was struggling at the end of the semester. I had so much grading to do. I was... Uh, updating a lot of my lesson plans. So I have 45 minutes a day to either grade or work on lesson plans. And it's like, which, which thing am I going to do? And I had spent so much time working on lesson plans that I was so far behind on grading. And it was my goal to get all my grading done before Christmas so that I could just soak in my family time and not be, you know, have this cloud hanging yeah. over my head. And so I was really in a funk, you know, in this, in the final weeks. And this kid 
just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, he's a great kid, but he hadn't really put forth his full effort on a lot of yeah. things. And for whatever reason, he decided, like, I am really going to see just how good I can do this if I really try. And he, like, parked next to me while they were writing this paper and asked me 30 questions a day. Like, well, okay, what do you think of this sentence? What do you think of this sentence? And he was just trying so hard. And I was just so proud when I got to his paper that, that he got this 96 and he was just so elated. It was so fun. Um, you know, I, I, I got to call his mom and, and be like, oh, he, you know, Aww. he did this and it was so great. And, uh, you know, those, it's those moments that you really hold on to because. Well, that's the connection they, that you've been yeah, searching for the whole yeah. year. And, you know. It, it really is like a light switch. You know, he gets that 96 and he's kind of been a different person ever since, you yeah. know. And then there's the perfectionist, you know, <laughs> where God love her. She was so upset because she got a 96. And I think in the last paper, she got like a 98. Mm-hmm. And so it was this huge fail to her that she had gotten this 96. And I'm like, oh, you know, if only I could just show you the, how, how much a 96 means to somebody right. else, you know, but I get it. I was a kind of that kind of student too, where I was like, oh, I got a 94 or whatever. And I was so angry. But it's just so funny that you see such highs and lows. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. One thing that I think is cool, too, and I don't know, maybe this is cliche to talk about, but, like, your oldest daughter, Evelie, loves science. Yes. And, I like, I know it's so cliche because it's, like, we're making such a big deal about a little girl who loves science. Like, okay, yeah. cool. Like, it's kind of oversaturated that be, like, everywhere. Should it be that big of a deal that she loves science? Right. Like, so what? Um, but I do think it's just really, really cool because... It's such a, and I'm exploring this a little bit as a parent, it's such a, um, it's so cool to see what their little brain is instantly attracted to without you shoving beakers in her hand. It's just where it's where they take themselves. Right. And, I and love obviously that part. if I was, I'm an English teacher, like my, my preference would have yes. been elsewhere, but no, ever since like first grade, she, she, it started off with a love of the periodic table, not even joking. She what? got a book about the periodic table and thought this was amazing. And so then she was learning about all the chemical elements, got a, a, a copy of the periodic table at school and brought it home. She was like, I need you to laminate this for me and like hung oh. it up in her room. <laughs> like it just really, escalated from there uh you know she's just it's been so fun to watch her grow up because she is so much like me in so many ways yeah but then there's just these little things like science that are just so completely different and it's just so fun to just sit back and watch her you know grow and develop and now she's really into the brain and and she she'll just sit and watch like there's these shows on Netflix about the brain and she can just watch four hours of shows about the brain and she's just she's beautifully weird just oh beautifully God, weird I love that <laughs> so then how do she and Izzy connect like what do um, Minecraft. W- Okay. They meet in Minecraft. Um, <laughs> but other than that, they could not be more different. Yeah. Like the top of Izzy's Christmas list this year was anything that has unicorns on it. Love it. She's just so into sparkles and glitter and unicorns. And Eva would rather die than wear the color pink. Everything, everything she owns has the word science on it or it is green. And like she has an army jacket that she wears all the time. Like she is so anti-girly in every way. And yeah, and Izzy is probably her best friend in the world and they could not be more polar opposites. That's cool. Yeah. So then where do you think, like what direction is Harper going? Oh man, it's so hard to know. Uh, I think she's going to be a little more like Izzy than Eva. She okay. looks exactly like Eva. Uh, she's like Eva's mini me, but I think she 
tends to gravitate more toward, I think her thing's going to be music. Okay. She's really got this weird ear where she like really remembers melodies to songs. She never has the lyrics right, but she can really like, she gets the melody almost pitch perfect. Like she'll just be playing and she'll start singing a song that she heard like in the car yeah. and she has the melody like perfect. And she's, she's been that way since she was really little. Like before she could talk, she could really like sing melodies back in songs. So I think, I think it might be music for her, but I don't know. It's hard to tell. She's got a lot of energy. So she might be our athlete. We don't really have an athlete yet, but she's just a little spitfire. I mean, no question. That's my favorite part of parenting is like figuring out who these people are. Yeah, for sure. They like live in my house Mm -hmm. and they're like these little strangers. Yeah. In so many ways. So different. So different. Yeah. Izzy, they both play piano. Uh, and they both take piano lessons, but like Izzy's into tumbling. She takes tumbling and uh, she did it for a year and Eva came with one, one day to class. And I was like, do you think you'd ever want to do that? And she was like, oh, absolutely not. No, that looks <laughs> awful. Like she, no, no, definitely not. So I don't think, I don't think a lot of athletics are in Eva's future. Yeah. She does play softball um, in the summer, but just like a, a little league. They have like 10 games. It's kind of perfect. But other than that, I think academia is where she's headed somewhere, somewhere. Is- I remember the one who was in the um, the cheer camp video that I yes. cannot stop watching. Oh my gosh! I think that is probably my most watched video ever. It's amazing. Yeah. Ever since then, she's been like, "No, don't send me to those. No, I'm cheerleading's not my thing." So long story short, she went to like a little summer cheer camp. Yeah. And they must have had like a final performance mm-hmm. of some kind. And so, tell me, tell me how how it came. So to basically, be. <laughs> uh, the parents could come to watch like their final practice before the game. And so I'm sitting there, and I got my camera all ready. And they started into this cheer, and Eva is just off in her own world. Like there, there's that episode of, of Friends where Phoebe yes. is dancing. They're like, it's the one where Monica's uh, identity is stolen, and they go to that dance yes. at the end, and it's like you're not with us and it's like but I'm doing it (laughs) like that was her and she's like clapping under her leg and doing all these weird turns and just not at all following the rest of the cheer and when I asked about it later she was like well that's what everybody else was doing. Like, why would I do what everybody else was doing? And she just really thought it was like a, you know, make up your own cheer moment. Like she was not at all interested in learning a routine that everybody else was doing. No, sir. Yeah. How that video did not end up on Good Morning America, (laughs) I will never know. I'm always excited when it comes up in my memories every year. I have to watch it. Yeah, that's going to have to be a repost because that was so, (laughs) so funny. Okay, Sarah, we have spent so much time talking about you as a mom and you as a teacher. I want to talk about you as a Sarah, okay? Okay. You as a person only, okay? So um, as we sit here and we talk about a brand new year, what do you think, what part of your life needs work? I think my biggest goals is to really kind of to jump on a 2019 trend, like continue to Marie Kondo my life a little bit. I love this. We're kind of, you know, we're done having kids unless some sort of surprise happens down the way. And, you know, Harper's kind of transitioning out of toddlerhood and and into preschoolhood. And it's kind of like we really need to reevaluate 
the rooms in our house and the stuff that we have. And I, I really want to make it my goal to like really be conscious of what we've chosen to keep and what we don't have in our house. You know, we're already kind of in our basement. Last night, it was it was a night of Travis and I just standing in our basement being like, well, we could move the washer and dryer into that room and then this room could become this. And, you know, it's, it's kind of this transition period where we're like phasing out of having really little people yeah. into like having all elementary aged people and they all you know we maybe we don't need some of these toddler toys anymore and if we get rid of these toddler toys that are so big and clunky like what are we going to put here now you know yeah. and so it's kind of for me it feels like it's going to be this year of kind of transitioning into this new phase which I could be really sad about but I'm just really excited actually yeah. because it's like they are at such fun ages like nine years old is the best age really you know oh my gosh I've loved all of them but nine it's like she's old enough to help out but she's also still young and so she still you know wants to hang out with me and I'm not I'm not like lame yet and it's just really she's it's so fun to watch them kind yeah. of suddenly they have their own friends and they have their own like inside jokes with people and they're like telling jokes and or like watching YouTube videos and then coming to dinner and being like like yesterday she was like you know mom a life hack that you could use is a life hack. you could she's been watching life hacks she's like you know you could save your tic tac containers and put bobby pins in those and they're like the perfect size and I was like oh thank you so much you know and so it's like there's just such fun age so it's like yeah. I could be sad that I'm losing like the ball poppers and all of the like but I'm just like really excited to to continue you to kind of change our space to accommodate their new interests and their yeah. their new things they're into. Yeah. So I think it's going to 2020 is going to be a big year of kind of the next chapter. It feels like turning a page a yeah. little bit, you know? Yeah. So you're having a crummy day. Which one um who in your family is the one who picks you up? <sighs> who's who's the who's the cheerleader? I'm going to say it really could be any of them, but I'm going to say the most likely cheerleader is Izzy. Okay. She is just such a little ray of sunshine. She's just the sweetest kid in the world. And she gives the best hugs. Like, if you ask anybody in our extended family, since she was tiny, she just, there's something about the way she squeezes you or what, I mean, an Izzy hug can fix absolutely oh. anything. She's just the best. Yeah, just the best. It's the strangest thing because we call Everett, like, the baby who gives hugs. Because yeah. he, like, something so about tiny, but he still does body, it. he still gives hugs. And I don't remember... Remember Abram ever doing that? Yeah. He sort of was always like one arm, you know, like, like ready to leave. Exactly, the hug. but like Everett, he will wrap you up and just like put his little mm -hmm. head on your shoulder, and you're like, oh, the baby yeah. who hugs. We back. should have we should have Everett and Izzy like in a hug off <laughs> and see what happens. Like rainbows <laughs> would probably explode from them or something. God. What um what scares you about 2020 or what about scares life you about or... anything? Oh man, what scares me? That's a good question. Um, not a lot scares me. I, I that I, I guess that kind of comes off as really pretentious. No, but that's okay. I feel really. I don't know. I feel really good about my marriage. I feel yeah. really good about my job. I feel really proud of my kids. I think they're headed in in good directions. Um, you know, I guess sometimes I'm scared that I'm too 
angry with my kids too. Uh, you know, I'm oh too gosh, hard on yeah. them sometimes. You know, they get the end of the day version of me where I've already dealt with 120 kids all day asking if they can go to the bathroom or not having a pencil. And, you know, like my patience is already broken yeah. by the time I see them. And so sometimes I'm afraid that they get kind of the worst version of me every mm-hmm. day. When it re- really boils down to it, you only have just a few hours with your kids every day, especially once they go to school, you know, they get off the bus and then they're so tired. Like they're going to bed sometimes 7, 38 o'clock. It's like you just have this tiny little bit of time. I know. And that's sometimes the worst part of your day. You know, that's the part where you're you're kind of hangry and you're just frazzled. You just got home from work. And so if anything, I, I'm afraid that sometimes my kids are going to have these memories of like, well, mom was just always in a crabby mood. Know. You know, I guess that's probably the thing that I, I'm hung up on the most is, you know, I don't want to be fake with them, you know, but I also... I, I sometimes they go to bed and I'm just like, oh, another night where, you know, I was probably more snippy with them than I should have been. You know, when they asked for more milk, I shouldn't have been like, yeah. oh, fine. You know, I should have just there's there's sometimes where, yeah, I think they get they get this impatient version of me that maybe wouldn't exist if, you know, I stayed at home with them or, you know, or something was different, you yeah. know, so there's a little bit of guilt there. But other than that. You know, I guess that's that's my biggest fear is yeah. that like, who am I going to be in their memory? You know, when they when they're old and they're I know I feel like that's like opening a whole can of worms. Yeah, because like, that then that opens like how you feel about yourself, then how you feel about how you feel about your own mom. Yeah, or, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like you can really send yourself into like right a depression. because my mom is a saint. <laughs> like that woman, you know, I I have nothing but good memories about her. She was. Always, like, always patient, always thought very carefully but about her words. would she agree with you on that? I don't Probably know. Probably not. I just, I don't she know. She would not she... go like, you're right, I was extremely patient. <laughs> you know what no, I mean? She In wouldn't. her memory, she would say all Maybe. the things you've said about yourself. But man, she was just the best. She stayed at home with us. And so she was the mom that would like... She would pick up, when I had volleyball games, she would pick up a van full of girls. And we would have like 40 minutes before our bus for the game. She would have tombstone pizzas in the oven (gasps) so that when we came home, they'd be ready. And she would feed us all and then bring, I mean, that's the level of sainthood that this woman was. And so it's, well, is. And so it's really hard to compete with that when it's like, well, that's the mom I had and my kids are eating Tombstone, but you know. Well, Tombstone pizzas are real cheap, so you can mm-hmm. pick up some mm-hmm. of those. And yeah. Just, you can be a hero. Yeah, <laughs> I could. I could be a hero. <laughs> All right, last question. What is the last thing that you did for yourself and only for you? You know what? I got a massage Good on the you. last day of school. It was probably a really bad decision because I was in a rush to get there on the last day of school and I shouldn't have been. But yeah, I went and I got a massage and I just, the whole time I was like, I'm thinking about nothing while I'm here. I'm going to think about nothing. And it was fantastic. And that was how I started Christmas break. That was a very smart way to start it Christmas break. It was a great break. way to start. We both got them. Travis got his in the morning and I got mine in the afternoon and it was... It was God, wonderful. Good for you guys. It was a good choice. How do you wrap your brain around like headed heading back? You know, when you have like the Christmas break off, yeah. like how do you like? What's your your vamp back up routine? 
That's a good question. Um, I don't know. I'm still <laughs> living in denial. Yeah, I, I think still that's have. It's a week there. from today okay. that we go back, and so it's like I've got some wiggle room. What I try to do is I try to kind of set myself up at work to go back on something that I know is solid. That I've I've done. You know, this is my twelfth year of teaching, so it's like this is something that I know that works. That I don't really need to change that much from last year, and so it's like if I can give myself a week of lesson plans like that, then it's like I can use my planning period to really kind of like plot out the rest of it. So it's like in terms of, oh no, I have so much work to do right when I get back. I try to ease into it a little bit. And so then uh, if I set myself up like that, then it's like everything else can just kind of fall into place afterwards. And so I, I try to kind of set myself up that way at work. And then in terms of my life at home, <laughs> I'm still struggling through yeah. that. You know, the, the Christmas cleanup is still a very real, you know, trying to figure out now that we have three kids and we have three sets of, of presents and, and things like that, like yeah. finding new homes for everything. That's what I'm struggling through right now. Hopefully by a week from today, my home. I always say that if my counter is clear, like my life is in order. And my, my counter, counter is, is rarely clear. clear. It happens like six times a year, to be honest. Doesn't and it so, feel good when it is? Yeah, oh, it God, is. It's it transformative. Is. Mm-hmm. It really is. Sarah, this conversation is everything I hoped it would be. <laughs> I'm Thank glad. you so much for coming. Thanks for inviting me. It was fun. I think um, the person who's going to enjoy listening to this most is Travis because oh, I'm delighted that he is a regular listener. He is, especially <laughs> when you have past coworkers on. He, like every time we listen to it, he said it literally every time. We'll be like 12 minutes in, and he'll yeah. turn to me and be like, I could listen to this all day. Like every time (laughs) he enjoys it so much. So it's like he gets to check in with people that he hasn't seen in a long time. And so it's always fun. Well, he knows we'd always have him back. And (laughs) next time we're going to have you both on. Oh yeah. I think that'd be excellent. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to on a mother level. Send us into 2020 with a fresh review on Apple podcasts. It helps us out tremendously. The other thing you can do that helps me out a ton is to share with a friend. Let somebody know that we're here let's get these downloads up and going and um i appreciate you all so much happy 2020 happy new year and thanks for listening thanks for listening to on a mother level 